Thank you. 
He took the fall and he thought of all of us above all. You join me as we pray this morning. Father, we're grateful uh, to be here today. We're grateful for your love and for your grace and for your mercy and for your presence in this place today. We love you and we honor you today as we worship together in song and in the spoken word. And to thank you again for your presence. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for being here this morning. We are so glad you're here. Uh, Todd's on vacation and Dr. Levy is going to speak today. Dr. Levy, how about that? I've, I've given him an honorary doctorate today. So, uh, but we are glad. Yeah. I don't know whether that's because he's speaking or I'm not. <laughs> My time will come. <laughs> But we are, we are so glad that you are here, and we're thankful that uh, you've chosen to worship with this church family today. And if you're a guest today, we welcome you in the name of the Lord. And uh, I'll remind you that if you are a first-time guest, we have a gift for you out on the Welcome Center. At the corner of the Welcome Center, there are some bags. Just pick one of those up. has a gift in it, and then it has some other information. I would also remind you again, and I'm probably doing this every week, of the QR code on the pews in front of you. All you need to do is just hold your camera up to that. You don't have to take a picture. Just hold it up, and it'll bring up a website like you do at a restaurant. It brings up their menu, and uh, it will sh uh, have a Connect card. You'll have news and announcements. You'll have prayer requests and other information that you may need. But uh, if you want to do that, please feel free, especially if you're a guest. We'd love to have a record of your visit with us today so that we could contact you. But again, thank you all for being here in worship today, and we pray that you feel God's presence. Why don't you stand and greet those around you uh, this morning, and then we'll join in singing Worthy of Worship. truly worthy of our worship and our praise, you join as we sing together.
Let's just have a moment of quiet, please. Oh, let the Holy Spirit reign this morning. Hmm. Oh, Holy Spirit. Can't you just feel the Holy Spirit? Oh, Holy Spirit, thank you. What a beautiful song. What a beautiful song. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. You know, sometimes God will just speak to you through the Spirit while you're just waiting on Him. Man, alive. I could just feel Him this morning. And that was my prayer this morning. Holy Spirit, rain down. Rain on this congregation this morning. Hallelujah. Mm. This is a time that we always have at Forks Church, and that's an, an opportunity for you to come to this altar. And You know, you may have needs. You may just want to praise him and thank him for who he is. But the main thing, you're just showing him you love him. And this time is always open for anyone that wants to come to this altar. And I'll tell you the power of this altar. If you'll bear with me just a minute, five years ago, I was right here. And this young man was sitting right here. And look what God has done. Oh, my goodness. Hallelujah. Thank you, Layton. Thank you, Layton. Awesome. Awesome. So if you feel led this morning to come to this altar, I invite you now. I know we have a lot of people to pray for. Our pastor's on, on a trip. Our pastor and his family are getting a well-deserved break. We want to remember Linda Pop's family. Linda passed away this week. Of course, Lloyd Hillard's wife, Judy, passed away. We want to remember Lloyd and his family. Gary Mitchell just found out this week that he has a serious problem, but he's also depending on the great physician named Jesus. And Bill and Carrie Dewart are still battling problems, battling health issues. We all have issues, not always just health, but we always have issues, but God is the answer to all those issues. I kid you not. So if you would, just join with me in prayer. And as, as my favorite author, John Bunyan, said, when you pray, rather your heart pray without words than your words be without heart. So pray with all your heart this morning. Holy Spirit's here. So let God answer your prayers this morning. Father, we come to you this morning again in the name of Jesus come to thank you and to praise you for the almighty God that you are. And we thank you for that precious son, Jesus, who is our healer. And we thank you, Father, that we have the privilege and the honor to asking you for anything because you tell us nothing is impossible for you. And Father, we believe that with all our hearts. Jesus said you can ask anything believing and it'll be done. And we believe. We believe in you. So I pray for everyone here this morning at this altar, whatever their needs are. Maybe they're just here to praise you like I am, to praise you, Father, for who you are. And many others that are here praising you, Father. Whatever the need is, Father, we know you're aware. And I thank you for this wonderful service, this wonderful church. I thank you for the anointing upon Layton this morning. And I thank you, Father, that we have a pastor that opens this altar to people. We have the freedom, the freedom to worship. And, Father God, I pray we never lose that freedom. And we're believing and hoping in you that we're not going to lose that freedom. Our nation is in a bad shape right now. It's a bad turmoil. And I don't know where you stand or what you do, what you think. But this is what I think. I ask God to have mercy upon our nation because we need it. So, Father, with your blessings and your control, we leave all of this to you. We lay it before you. We lay our cares before you. You care for us, Father. We're laying them there. We're taking the burdens off of us. We're placing those burdens upon you as you tell us to do. Father, whatever we need to do, if we need to do more, we're there. We're your servants. We're here for you. And we're here this morning to praise you for this service that we're about to hear. It is awesome, and your leading and guiding of Leighton is, is, oh, it's wonderful. So we just thank you now as we go forward with this service. And Holy Spirit, 
thank you for your presence in Jesus' name. Amen.
All right. There we go. We're on now. Man, we are so glad to be able to worship with you today and so thankful that you have taken time this morning to come and to worship. If I haven't got the chance yet to shake your hand, I'm late and I'm so blessed to serve as student pastor here. Last week actually made five years that we have been here and served as student pastors, Lauren and I. And we are so thankful for the group of students that we've been able to minister to and have certainly learned a lot and have been blessed a lot. It's, it's, it's pretty amazing what God has done in our lives as we sometimes walk to church at night and reminisce on how uh, we were ordained, married here, and now we are soon to have a child. And we are thrilled about it. We've got no clue what we're doing, though. Uh, so maybe we may be asking you guys. She, she was asking the other day, how are we going to do this? Are we ready for this? I think we got YouTube. We got it, right? We can look this thing up. We'll try to figure it out. But anyway, we're so excited to be able to, to worship and to connect with you. You know, each year uh, we actually take some time, Lauren and I, before we go into the year to kind of pray and ask God what he may be teaching us and leading us into. And last year we felt like the word was humility. And this year as we're going into this year, we took some time to pray and kind of ask God, what is it that you could be teaching us? What is it that we could be learning this year as we go into this new year, expectant and excited for what you want to do in our lives? I felt like the word really that the Lord began to expose and reveal within my life is this word, rest. And I think now more than ever, this is a very timely word. As I talk to students and parents, leaders in the community and elderly, it just seems as if the common theme that I hear is Something along the lines of, I'm great, things are picking back up, but I've just bit off more than I could chew. I'm busy, I'm overworked, I don't know how I'm going to do it. Things are picking back up, concerts and everything's going great, travel balls back up. And as an active extrovert, I'm very excited about it. I was actually told from a near and, and dear friend this morning before I got up that I value, slow down. I'll try my best, but as an active extrovert, I, I get the rush to get back into things, the desire, the excitement, the anticipation. But if I could be very transparent and honest, I'm also very leery at the fact that at the expense of endangering our souls, we've picked back up at such a busy pace that we could miss out on the rest, hope, promises, and power of the living God that wants to work in and through us. You know, it starts with a story over a century ago, these European missionaries went to Africa and they hired these villagers to serve as guides to these distant outposts. The guides moved at a slower pace than the missionaries desired. So after the first two days, they pushed them to go faster. On day three of the trek, the group went twice as far as on, on day two. Around the campfire that night, the missionaries were congratulating themselves and pretty proud of uh, the progress that they had made. But on day four, the guides just wouldn't budge. They wouldn't go anywhere. The missionaries asked, what's, what's wrong? What, what's the deal? The guides responded, we just can't go any further. The leader said, but we went so quickly yesterday, and I, I don't see an issue. Why not? The leaders responded, we went so quickly yesterday that today we must wait for our souls to catch up. Those are wise words. My question to you is, do you need time for your soul to catch up? Have we been operating at maybe such a quick pace that we've forgotten our need to find rest? You know, it's no surprise at how imperative and important rest is. The National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute recommends that at least 11 to 12 hours of sleep for preschool-aged children, 10 hours for school-aged children, 9 to 10 hours for teens, and 7 to 8 hours for adults. Without proper sleep, studies show that you run a much higher risk of heart attack, coronary heart disease, stroke, asthma, COPD, cancer, arthritis, depression, chronic kidney disease, and diabetes. But this is not one of those messages that is, is a gloom and doom. This is one of hope that we would find rest. We know what this term means. It means to cease activity and motion and to lean our strength fully upon something or someone else. That's my prayer for us this morning, that we would cease from our work to take time to behold the God who's worthy of our praise, attention, and devotion, that we would lean our full weight, attention upon him. My scripture that I'll be reading from as, as a launching pad this morning comes from Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 30. If you want to flip there, you can. It's a very well-known verse demonstrating rest and Christ's invitation to us. If I could call this message anything today, it's a, a call to rest. A call to rest. And I believe now more than ever, the invitation is for Christ upon his church to receive his rest. Matthew 11 
beginning in verse 28, says this, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Would you pray with me this morning? God, I pray that as we unpack this scripture and as we examine what rest looks like, that your spirit would minister to our hearts and minds. Lord, I pray that if there's anything that would hinder us from hearing from you, that you would break it off, Lord, that you would remove it from our minds and that we would take time to focus and tune in and to listen to what it is that you may be seeing, saying and speaking to us in this moment. Lord, thank you that you drew us here this morning, not just by happenstance, accident, or coincidence, but because you desire to speak to us. So, Lord, may we tune in and listen to your voice. May we hear what it is that you want to speak to us on this topic of rest. And may we say yes to your invitation. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You know, as I begin, I like to begin with this phrase that kind of starts us off in an appropriate way. God does not call us to rest to restrict us, but instead to renew us. Rest is not a rule to follow, but instead an encouragement to be filled. God is not intending in any way to hold us back by calling us in to rest. I believe the gospel is actually not a call to work, stress, busyness, and do, but instead a call to rest. Even when you think about it, culture says, work for it, but Christ says, rest in it. Do you remember one of the last phrases as Jesus was hanging on the cross? He said, it is finished. The gospel implying that as Jesus came down and lived in an imperfect world, a perfect life, and then he saw our sins and the consequences that were going to come because of our sins. He hung on that cross and he said, I'll take the pain and I'll take the punishment. And then one of his final words and statements was, it is finished. Notice he did not say, I'll pay 50% and you cover the other 50. I'll cover 60% and then you do as much as you can to cover the other 40%. Instead, Jesus said, it is finished. I've done the work so you can find rest and strength and renewal in me. Culture says, take no days off. Christ says, honor the Sabbath, remember to keep it holy. Culture says, independence and hustle and grind. But Christ says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened. Culture says, stay busy, but Christ says, be still. The imitation of Christ on our lives is actually liberating. The gospel isn't one of busy work, but instead one of true rest. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 10, illustrates in an extra way what it looks like to enter into and to be invited into this rest. It says, for anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. I pray that we would enter into the rest of Christ. Now, as I get started this morning, I'm kind of hesitant about saying that because I do believe that at times we can take that and distort that into something unhealthy. We can distort that into laziness, and I do not believe that God blesses laziness. I don't believe that God blesses apathy and procrastination for us just to sit back on our hands and hope that everything works out. Yes, there's a calling on our life to be faithful, but out of a place of rest, not out of a place of burnout. There's a calling on our life to be the hands and the feet of Christ, but not from a place of constantly working to try to approve or achieve merit from God. God's already done the work. Nothing we do could ever earn his extra grace or favor on our life. Rest is truly taking time to remind ourselves who we are and who he is and our need for him. God brings pace and peace to our souls through rest. The invitation is still clear, come to me, come to me all who are weary and burdened. However, I believe that there's an enemy, actually scripture talks about it in Ephesians 6 and we see it all throughout scripture that there is an enemy. We, we live in what's known as a uh, a war, a spiritual war, and his name is Satan. He's called the thief, the destroyer, and Satan would love for nothing more than to get us occupied and active with all the wrong things so that we never find appropriate life-giving rest in the Savior. I believe that there are spam messages that Satan subliminally sends to our spirits to get us distracted, distorted, and burnt out so that we never show the vibrant power and supremacy of Christ in our communities. These four messages that I think are very common, obviously not exhaustive and all-inclusive, you could probably add more, but these are four very common messages that I think Satan tries to send to our soul, to spam our soul and clog our soul. You know, I've got this habit that I, I like to do that when we go on vacation, and we loved going on vacation uh, about a week ago, going to Hilton Head, I've got this habit that I, I try to practice and, and try to enjoy that I turn off my email notifications. And I, I love it while we're away because it 
keeps my wrist from constantly vibrating, and, and it keeps me from constantly trying to check my phone, although still I check it too much. But uh, I, I love this practice of, of turning off the notifications. But then when I get back, I'm always shocked at, like, all the spam mail, like all the unwanted, unsolicited mail. I'm like, who in the world would have guessed that I am subscribed to this many shoe places, right? Who in the world would have guessed that I'm subscribed to this many clothing brands that I have no care for? And spam messages are often just annoying because sometimes they're, they're so common, they're so frequent, they're, they're really valueless. They offer no nourishment and real help. They're just a bunch of messages clogging our inbox. But I believe that there are these spam messages that Satan often tries to send to clog our spirit and our soul from finding the life in Christ. These are four things, S-P-A-M. I pray that you would evaluate your life and ask Christ if these could be things that he would like to remove from your life. The first S, settling in sin and safety. Satan makes you think that sin's not all that bad. Everyone else does it. Everyone else struggles with it. Yeah, you can lie on your taxes. It's not that big of a deal. It's not going to catch up with you. Yeah, you can live with someone you're not married to yet. It's not going to catch up with you. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. You can watch the provocative TV shows that spit in the face of Christ and that have nothing to do with his glory. It's not going to catch up with you. Yeah, that's okay. You can gossip and slander and put down and hate and critique and talk about how bad that person is. It's not going to catch up to you. The whole time Satan's sending these messages that sin isn't all that bad, that everyone deals with it. Oh, it's okay. It's not going to catch up with you. Sin's not all that bad. But I happen to believe that we have a Savior who went to the extremes of death on a cross, not so that we could settle in sin, but so that we could step out of sin with the victory and the hope and the truth of his word and calling on our life. You know, actually, James 1 verse 14 says this, each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, watch this, tune in, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. John 10, 10 says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Proverbs 14, 12 says that there is a way that appears right, but in the end it leads to death. Sin may not impact you right now, but eventually it will catch up with you, and it will kill you if you're not careful. Christ has not called you to settle in sin and to make excuses for it, but to step out of sin. The second way, I believe the second part of this S that Satan gets us to settle is in safety. In no way am I advocating for a crazy lunatic faith that would cause harm, but I am advocating for a faith that would cause us to step out of our comfort zones. Francis Chan actually illustrates it in a powerful way as he talks about this gymnast that's on this beam and typically they're supposed to do flips and handstands and all these different things on it. And he, he breaks down this illustration that exudes this in a pretty uh, detailed and accurate way. And he says, what if this gymnast went out on this balance beam? And as they got out on this balance beam, the first thing they did is they looked at everyone and then they just hugged the bar the whole time. They hugged the bar. Then at the end of their performance, they got up, they waved and they said, that's all I've got. How odd would that be? How awkward would that be? And he said, but the same is true with Christians. We say, I'll pray the prayer, I'll go into the waters of baptism, and then I'll hold tightly to all my comforts my whole life. And then hope that one day when I stand before God, although I never shared my faith, I never read his word, I never took time to worship him, I never took time to pray for people, I never took time to be a light in a dark world, I'll just hope that God is pleased with me being comfortable and playing it safe. How odd. I, I just happen to believe that God calls us to be a light in a dark world. I happen to believe that God has called us to be his hands and his feet to a community that is dying and going to hell. There's no hope aside from Jesus, and we have the answer. We're not called to be a play it safe kind of church. Come and see how good we are. We're called to be a go and tell kind of church. Tell how good he is. I believe that the enemy would love for nothing more than for us to settle in safety and sin. Second way that I believe the enemy sends subliminal messages to offer no real hope and nourishment, but also busyness and burnout, is this message of productivity. While I have nothing against productivity, and productivity in and of itself is not an issue, it's the, the, the uh, state of or quality of producing something. You could think of farming. But when productivity becomes our identity, we're in deep trouble. I believe we often fall into this trap of productivity identity crisis. We're as good as what we produce. We're as good as how much money we make. We're as good as the vacations we can go on. We're as valued for as much as we can accomplish for the day. You can accomplish everything on your to-do list, but if you missed out on prayer and worship 
If you miss out on scripture reading, is it worth it? Or how about this? Let me ask it as scripture would ask it. What does it matter if you gain the whole world but lose your soul in the process? Christ has not called us near as much to productivity as he has to resting in him. As he has to knowing who we are in him. Productivity is not an issue, but when productivity becomes our identity, it's an issue. When as soon as we get up in the morning, we've got to think about what we've got to do. We've got to get on our emails. We've got to get on our text. We've got to get everything back, and we've got to be productive for the day. And we miss out on knowing who he is and who we are in his sights. We've missed the mark. I think of Mary and Martha, and you know the story. As Martha invites Jesus to come into her house, and Mary is, is sitting at the feet of Jesus, and Martha's assumably getting supper ready and cleaning up around the house. And Martha says to Mary and, and to Jesus, hey, Jesus, Mary's not doing anything. You need to tell her to do something. And Jesus responds in a way of truth and grace. And he says, Martha, Mary has chosen what is better. Could it be that Jesus could be saying the same to us today? Oh, what's better is just knowing me, sitting in my presence, knowing who I am. And out of that place of knowing me, you operate. I believe that the third way that the enemy tries to spam our souls and our spirit, obviously we talked about settling. Then we talked about productivity. The third way is activity. How many of you guys know you can be doing a lot and still not be getting much done? The average American is said to spend now over four and a half hours on their smartphone. Scrolling, searching, shopping, looking, watching videos that can provide no real nourishment for our souls. Constantly stimulated, constantly active, but never attentive to the word and the voice of God. This is why burnout has become so common. It's the insatiable desire to always do, but to never be. I've heard a saying, actually, that I'm not even sure where it had come from, but it says that if Satan can't destroy you, he'll distract you with just busyness and all these activity. So we never are attentive to the voice and presence of God. You know, I'm reminded also in 1 Kings chapter 19 when Elijah was being led out of the cave and he wanted to hear the voice of God and this earthquake came and wind and he didn't hear it in the wind. And the fire came and he thought he'd hear it in the fire and he didn't hear it in the fire. But this still small voice of God spoke and he heard it in a still small whisper. Could it be that God is not done speaking to his church? Could it be that we've become so active that we've drowned out his voice with all the other noise? God still desires to speak to us. I believe that the last way that the enemy tries to spam our soul and keep us from finding rest in Christ is by materialism. While I don't find it to be an issue to have nice or new things, I find it very problematic when these things have us. When we constantly have to have more, we constantly have to have newer. I already have more than enough. My closet's already jam-packed. My storage room's already jam-packed. My storage unit's already jam-packed, but I need more. I need more. I need the newest. I need the latest. I need the greatest. I've got to have more. I've got to have more. I've got to have more. And it's an indication that our souls have stopped finding rest in the creator and have started finding rest in the created things that were never meant to satisfy. Actually, James 5 says it in a pretty pointed way. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. You see, anytime we see materialism being mentioned in Scripture, it's as if it's the opposite or contrary to finding rest and contentment and obedience in Christ. 1 Timothy 6 verse 10 says this, For the love of money is the root of all evil. You know the verse. It's not money to be problematic. It's when we begin to love money and chase after money. So if the enemy uses this to spam our souls, what does the opposite of this look like? Genuinely, what does rest look like? I believe there's another acronym to break this down. I don't know what it is about acronyms, but uh, found found them to be helpful. And I believe that the other acronym to break this down is REST, R-E-S-T. And I want to run through these very quickly, and I pray that God would speak to you through these. R, renew your mind according to Scripture. Renew your mind according to Scripture, not according to Instagram influencers, celebrities, and analysts, but renew your mind according to Scripture. Your mind is very important. Actually, Romans 12 says it this way. Don't be conformed to the ways of this world, but be transformed by what? Renewing your mind. We are transformed totally by renewing our minds. Proverbs 23 verse 7 says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Our lives are constantly moving in the direction of our thoughts. How are our thoughts and minds? What are we thinking about? Are we renewing our mind according to Scripture? Or are we just kind of casually hoping our mind drifts in the right place because it doesn't work like that? 
We need to constantly renew our minds. What does your word say? When I need wisdom, God, I go to your word. When I need peace, I go to your word. When I need provision, God, I go to your word. I renew my mind not according to the opinions of this world, but I renew my mind according to the truth of your words. Politicians change. Things change. The news media changes, but the word of God never does. We need to renew our mind according to Scripture. Philippians 4.8 says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right and pure, lovely and admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Renew our mind according to Scripture. Taking time to throw out anything that's not of the Lord and to renew our mind according to what Scripture says. E, engage and evaluate your heart in awe. When is the last time you've just engaged your heart in awe? Not to be stimulated by what TV or social media or this person says, but to be engaged in awe of who God is. Maybe for you that looks like walking in nature, sitting out in nature, going out on the lake, sitting with family, sitting around a bonfire, just engaging your heart with those life-giving moments. Going on a hike, whatever it may look like for you, taking time to engage your heart in awe of who God is. Closing the door of your room and just worshiping. When's the last time that you've engaged your heart? And when's the last time that you've evaluated your heart to ask yourself this question? How am I in loving God and loving others? Am I demonstrating my love for God and others? I believe that the third way that Christ is calling us into rest is S, stick to the Sabbath. Stick to the Sabbath. This is, has been one of those things that I've always known subtly to be important, but I've never followed. It was kind of like one of those recommendations, like you shouldn't rip the tag off the mattress, right? Kind of like, oh, you shouldn't spit your gum out the window while you're driving. Or one of the recommendations that maybe some of you guys think is a recommendation is you shouldn't speed. Myself included. Convicted. But one of those recommendations of, yeah, the Sabbath is somewhat important. But I- I'm just too busy. Yeah, I-, I should honor the Sabbath. But the all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present God doesn't understand my busy schedule. Doesn't understand the demands on my time. When he created me and sees all that I have going on, he didn't understand. So I kind of saw the Sabbath just as this thing that was good to do, but never really followed. And it wasn't until I began exploring this idea of rest that I began to see the importance and the calling of God on our life to remember the Sabbath, to take a 24-hour period of our week and to say, God, I'm going to put my phone away maybe for 24 hours. I just want to be engaged. Or God, I'm going to try to go 24 hours without doing the chores and, and the demands around my house just to listen and to sit with you just to slow down and to take time to be with you. And the Sabbath is one of those things that God calls us in. Yes, there are many great reasons to honor it, for us to slow down, for us to engage in relationships around us, for us to develop creativity, for us to just honor and remember the importance of who He is and our need for Him. The importance to say that we're not identified just by what we can produce, but we're identified by who He calls us. You know, I'm excited for many reasons to have a kid. We got a kid on the way, Lauren's in the third trimester, we just entered it, like last week entered in the third trimester, and we are thrilled about having a kid. There are a lot of reasons that I'm excited about having a kid, many, 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 but one of the reasons I'm excited about having a kid is this right here. I just can't wait to use this phrase, that it's just a parent phrase, it's like you can't use it unless you're a parent, right? Maybe you've used this, and I've had my parents use this phrase on me, and I just can't wait to use this phrase. This is a very common phrase, one that used to frustrate me. But this phrase of when when you're a parent, you can just use it boldly, right? Because I said so, right? Man, I got to practice it now, even. I mean, the enjoyment that comes with saying that, I I don't know. And I never understood it. Like, why, Mom? Because I said so. I, I don't get it. But the Sabbath is something that God calls us into. And if for no other reason, because he said so, we should follow it. Actually, Robert Morris illustrates it in a very powerful way. Robert Morris says that as he's doing this work, uh, uh, he, he always takes a Sabbath to get away from the church. And he's 24 hours just to enjoy being with his family. And while he's away from the church at one of these moments, one of these days, he's enjoying the Sabbath and he's resting. And he gets a call from a pastor that's at the church that, that works beneath him, but he has a good relationship with. And the pastor's like, hey, I know you're on your Sabbath. I know that you, you've had a lot going on this week, uh, but, you know, we got a lot going on at the church. If you want to just kind of skip some of the Sabbath and come to the church, we, we could use your help. And Robert Morris said, so you want me to skip the Sabbath that God's called me to to come, come help? He said, yeah, well, not, not like that, but if you, if, if you don't mind, you know, you can just kind of cut it short and you can come to the church. we got a lot going on if you want to help with it. And Robert Morris, in a very bold and audacious way, 
and he had a close relationship with this pastor. But just to illustrate a point, said, yeah, sure. Would you like me to come and commit adultery on the way? The pastor, not knowing how to respond, is like, what are you talking about? He said, well, God has called me to honor the Sabbath, to remember it, and to keep it holy. And instead of picking and choosing what parts of the Bible I want to follow, I just decided that I wanted to follow the whole truth. God is calling us to stick to the Sabbath, take a 24-hour period to renew our minds, re-engage our hearts. With Christ, he offers pace and peace to our busied and hurried lives. How about you today, though? Are you rested? I mean, are you truly rested in the power and the presence of God? I'm not asking, are you lazy? I'm not asking, are you just not doing anything? I'm asking, are you taking time to rest and remind yourself of how good God is and your need for him? Have you taken time to lean your weight on him and to allow him to offer the rest that only he can offer? If we're to follow God's example, why would we not rest? If Jesus, while performing all these miracles, took time to get away and to just be with the Father, how much more do we need it? And T, what does rest look like as we close out here? Take time to wait each day. Science even shows that taking breaks, if only for a few minutes, can offer the refresh and benefits you need to healthfully make it throughout your day. Breaks are brief cessations to work, physical exertion, or emotional stress. Studies indicate taking breaks promotes mental health, boosts creativity, increases productivity, promotes well-being, reduces stress, improves mood, and strengthens relationships. Oh, that we would take time to wait each day before we go out and to hear what God would want to say to us. And I know that some may say, well, I'm not much of a morning person, so I don't know if I should do it because I don't know if I'm feeling like it or not. So my question to you would be, whether you feel like putting clothes on for the day or not, do you still put them on before you go out? Sure hope so. And the truth is, is that we are entering a battleground. We need to arm ourselves and clothe ourselves with the truth of Christ, that we would take time before we begin our day, before we begin our emails and texts, to just wait with him. Take time to wait each day and to sense God's voice. The same God that spoke in the past in this scripture is the same God that's still speaking today. Let me ask you, are you hearing his voice? What is he saying today? Not just what did he say in the past, what is he calling you into today? It's in the waiting that we ask God, God, what are you leading me into? What could you be teaching me in this moment? Pausing to hear once again his still small voice. And as we close out with this message today, my prayer is that you would be still and know that he is God. That you would say yes to his call and invitation. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Even now, would you pause in his presence and ask God and wait long enough to hear what it is that he's calling you to do? Maybe for you, you're exhausted, you're burnt out, and you keep trying to find life in all these other sources that aren't Christ. And for the first time, you need to say, I repent of my sin, I give my life to you, I want your rest, Jesus. Maybe for you, you're just overcommitted, and right now you need to prioritize some things and say, Christ, I want to rest in you, and out of that place of resting in you, I want to be faithful to produce. I believe that true rest is found in no pill, counselor, friend, or vacation, activity, or melatonin, although these things could be helpful tools. But I believe that real rest for your weary and battered soul comes from Jesus and having a genuine relationship with him. I believe that there are some in this place that have disconnected from him, and you're burned out. Today, you need to reconnect and recommit to him. Some may have felt like they've never connected to the Lord. And today, you're searching. And Christ is calling you to connect with him and to find rest in him. This world cannot give it to you. Christ is inviting you into true and real rest. Only Jesus can. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for this moment. Thank you for the invitation and the call to rest that you have on our lives. I pray that we would be faithful to respond and to say yes to your rest to finding our identity, our hope, our strength in life in you. Lord, I pray that you would move within our lives and hearts right now, Jesus, and that you would call us into whatever it is to look like you. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't be so busy with meaningless things that we miss out on the main thing. And I pray right now in this moment, God, we would just say yes to running to you, to renewing our minds and engaging our hearts, to sticking to the Sabbath and taking time to pause. Thank you that it's in rest that we can be still and know who you are. And so I pray right now, Jesus, that we would be encouraged and convicted, not just as a message for someone else. And if we've been disengaged, God, that you would forgive us. And Lord, that today we would turn to you and find rest in you. Thank you that you offer true and genuine rest for our souls. And so may we continue to step towards you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said.
Amen. Would you respond as God is calling you to respond? You can stand as, as we close out. And would you respond as God is calling you to respond? Maybe it's to connect to him for the first time. Maybe it's to join the church. Would you respond as Christ is calling you? so glad that you've joined us for worship today. After that message, I'm going to go home and take a nap. How about that? I'm going to rest. That was a powerful message, Layton. Thank you for sharing that with us today. A lot of things for us to think about in this busy world, but we are glad you're here and we're glad to uh, have the opportunity to hear Layton speak today and give us the message that God has given him. Thank you. And Layton's going to make his way back and so you can greet him after the service today. Uh, Wednesday night will be uh, still virtual. Uh, probably I'm going to do it if I, I haven't heard any differently, but I'm going to talk about emotionally healthy discipleship. Uh, there's a series of books called The Emotionally, Emotionally Healthy Leader, The Emotionally Healthy Church, and Emotionally Healthy Discipleship, and they all kind of go inside with each other, and I'm just going to share some highlights from that uh, this Wednesday night as we uh, gathered together virtually. And then next Sunday is July the 4th. I hope that if you're in town, you're here. We're going to have a celebration of our freedom in Christ. And uh, Alma Randolph will be here to sing next Sunday. Uh, Alma hasn't been here for a while because of the pandemic. And I called and said, Alma, will you come? She said, I'll be there. And so I'm excited about Alma being with us. And the choir will be here and uh, some brass. So we're going to celebrate our freedom next Sunday in Christ. So we hope you will come and share in that special service. Thank you for being here today. Uh, we love you and we appreciate all of your love and your prayers and your support. And I know Todd does as he's away enjoying his family. Uh, he uh, was getting some good rest, I think, hopefully anyway. Lots of times, as Layton said, on vacation, you don't get rest, right, Layton? Uh, we, we're just so busy, but I do pray for Todd and his family while they're away. And uh, I know they will feel your prayers and your love. But again, thank you for being here. Let's join together in singing a closing song, Lord Be Glorified. Thank you and God bless you. You have a great week.